0: Welcome IronRadio.org listeners, this is Ronnie Lowry, I am a former competitive bodybuilder and
2: I'm a nutrition and exercise physiology professor.
3: And this is Phil Stevens, I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, I run Strength Guild and uh, lifterhope.org. Well, cool.
0: um, I've got two little science blurbs today and then we're just going to do uh, maybe a little briefer show today, we're going to talk to some of the Strength Guild uh, spring camp attendees and talk about what they uh, what they learned today, at least so far. Um, But let me get to this science stuff.
2: Strength and Muscle Sport News.
0: This first one I just think is interesting. This is very brief, but um, if anybody's interested, I get something called Total Eclipse, E-Clips. And it's basically science news. Not all of it's training related, but it's free. Um, and anyway, one of the little science blurbs I think is funny because one of the things I'm going to talk about this afternoon is caffeine, but it says caffeine amps up bees' memory, a study finds. Experiments showed that honeybees are three times as likely to remember a floral scent a day later if the nectar contains a bit of caffeine. This is from the uh, Los Angeles Times. I'm not um, tracking down the original paper here, but it says um, this is just sort of interesting because, of course, the way people... Uh, cling to caffeine. It's the first evidence I know of where a plant is actually using a drug to manipulate the behavior of an animal to its own benefit, uh, said study leader Geraldine Wright, a neuroethologist at Newcastle University in England. So I think it's very interesting. Either it, may, it begs several questions. One is, you know, is the caffeine somehow affecting their nervous system, making them better? Or are they just sort of, uh, you know, caffeine? Functions? It was saying that lots of substances that they, bees bump into naturally have that cooking still? No. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, anyways, small amounts of caffeine and some of the natural. Things. I just think it's funny that, it, it, you know, it's not just human beings that are using, you know, caffeine or manipulated somehow by caffeine. And the other one is a Nifty study here. Um, this is from Food Nutrition Research. It's actually July 2010. But it's something that comes up a lot, and we've been talking about paleo a little bit and, you know, how certain CrossFit groups really cling to that and that sort of thing. And um I tend to like paleo in its original nerdy form. But anyway, this is called Postprandial Energy Expenditure in Whole Food and Processed Food Meals, Implications for Daily Energy Expenditure. Um And essentially what they did was they looked at whole foods versus processed foods and what kind of thermic effect, what kind of metabolic jump that the subjects got from it. Um, it says they were, the meals were comparable, the whole food versus the processed foods, in terms of protein, about 15 to 20%, carbs, about 50%, and fat, around 30% or so, a little more. Um, subjects in this case were healthy women and men, a little heavier on the women, uh, 12 women and 5 men. But it says results, there were uh, no significant differences in satiety or that sense of fullness after the two meals, but average energy expenditure for the whole food, food meal was 19.9% of the meal energy. And that was significantly larger. Actually, it's about double from the processed food meal, which was only 10.7% of meal energy. So, um, obviously, cranking through more just to, you know, with the digestion and absorption of the whole meal. Conclusion: ingestion of the particular processed food meal tested in this study decreases postprandial or after feeding energy expenditure by nearly 50% compared with an, compared with an isoenergetic whole food meal. So I think that's very interesting, especially in, our, in light of my little tirade last time about, you know, uh, whole grains doesn't equal, you know, a little wisp of powder uh,
2: in your Lucky Charms. But the whole whole foods should look like whole foods.
3: Yeah. So anyway, so cool stuff. Yeah. I, w- I want to give a shout-out here to um, one of our listeners, Reed. Reed DeWolf. Um, he came on and just wanted to say thank you to Monty, um, myself, and Rob. Um He's stepping on stage for his first, first bodybuilding contest today um, oh, or today. tomorrow, I guess. And uh, he said the podcast has been a big help and inspiration for him. So, and keep up the good work. And I want to say, well, good work to you, and uh, good luck tomorrow. Absolutely, that's no small
0: feat. We we're, were just talking today about what a a personal and time commitment that is. You know, you're yeah. talking about a very extended commitment of half a year or so, maybe a more if you include a bulking phase. And yeah, that's um, that's something to be commended. Okay, well, we're going to have just sort of a raw session today because we've got some uh, attendees here. Uh, we, we had a good day so far. We, <clears throat> Phil showed us some squat tips, uh, technique types things, uh, and then we watched his group train, and it's fun to watch that sort of environment, you know, that kind of atmosphere um, in a club kind of... <clears throat> you know, we've been saying for years that that's, hopefully that's coming back in, in a sense, and it's certainly coming back here.
3: Yeah, no, it was a good day. We had some, some great lifts hit and, uh, yeah, it was just, yep. it was just all around good. So. There was lots of rust and blood and all the kinds of things you usually see.
0: Anyway, yeah. um, what I want to do is we have some of the guys and, uh, I'm just going to pass the mic around and just ask a simple question, at least for the first round, and that's, you know, what have you learned? Um, in the past, listeners have often said things like, you know, can you guys do a show on, exactly how you prepare for something or you know just on the bench press and nuances of that or you know that sort of thing so at least this will partly address that question i think which is you know what did each of these guys learn so again we focused on the squat this morning so i'm just gonna pass the mic around
4: michael tishy here out of columbus ohio um Working on squats this morning, learning that uh, my posterior is the weak point in my posterior chain and some very specific ways to try to improve that.
5: This is Jacob Hurt out of Springfield, Missouri. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Phil and Lonnie for spending time to help us. They are truly great guys. Um, this morning with the squat, um, I had a very uh, starting strength-based squat, and Phil said I did pretty good there, um, but he told me to look up more so to keep my shoulders up uh, because I was getting hunched over on heavy weights. Uh, So we worked on keeping my upper body uh, more vertical uh, to keep from bending over.
1: Yeah, this is Byron. uh, Currently a grad student in biostatistics in UNC Chapel Hill and been following Iron Radio for three or four years. Um, Been a huge part of what's developed my training. Uh, in the long run is just listening to these guys and really happy to be here talking with them face-to-face. This morning, I was able to discover that um, a long-term injury for me in my hips was, I thought, a result of underdeveloped glutes, but it turned out that I was pushing my hips back too far in the squats, and that was actually causing just a great deal of overuse. Uh, So what I thought was underdevelopment turned out to be just using a style of squat that wasn't suited for my body type. And and Phil was immediately able to point out um, a different way of doing squats to me that completely took away the hip pain that I'm used to. So that was really encouraging.
6: Hi, I'm Jude Howe out of Austin, Texas. I run the Austin Strength Training Academy.
3: Just a second. Just ladies shut up you don't need to yell when jude's on no sorry okay go ahead um <laughs> you're flushing me now Phil.
6: um i did find out uh, you know although i've been training for years uh it's always great to have a another eye with even more experience take a look at, at what you're doing and apparently all those years i thought i was squatting i was doing a lovely good morning um but yeah, we uh, we inched a bar up my up my back a little bit, brought my stance in, and it it made a made a tremendous improvement. Although you know I didn't hoist a whole lot more weight afterward, I did feel a lot more balanced, and uh, the weight felt easier—not necessarily lighter. That makes sense to anyone. Um, but that that for me has been fantastic.
0: You know, and I can share something that I picked up too, which was um, I've been having a hell of a time with. I guess you would call it medial epicondylitis. The, my inner elbow on my left side is just stinging when I'm doing the wrong movement. It's not just from forearm flexion. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I think it's probably my squat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Phil, of course, you were saying that, you know, that's a fairly common situation. And, I mean, if you think about it, that's... Exactly the kind of movement that would really cause a lot of irritation there, you know because the it's, bars sagging on your back and yeah. i mean you obviously your arms aren't holding it in place necessarily, but there's a lot of tension there,
3: yeah, and you get a lot of twist in that joint that's not natural um from the squat when you're holding the bar like that so
0: and i think that explains because i'm in the gym i'm thinking i'm trying all these different things to try to almost invoke it you know what i mean yeah not until i grabbed a bag like a 50 pound bag of dog food that i'm like oh my god that's it and if you think about that sort of hugging motion it's not unlike the kind of medial torque that you have you know in a low bar squat so and i'll tell you what else too is um i've always probably low barred squat a little bit too much and lately I've been focusing on my quads a little bit more and, you know, feels like, you know, let it sit in the meat of your traps, you know, let it be a little bit higher. Um and I think that's good advice. And I also got to try, listeners, you might find this funny because a lot of you are powerlifters, but I've never had on any kind of, you know, rigid, sold powerlifting shoes before.
3: Um and that was sort of a new experience. Yeah, we threw Lonnie in some shoes and, uh,
0: yeah, good stuff. Yeah, we all got to use the monolift, you know, your
3: sexy new monolift. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh that was cool. Okay. Uh, Phil, did you say you had any news at all? It was just that shout-out that I was going to do. And then I, I want to give a shout to the, several of my lifters, too. Just, um, you know, one big one was Emily coming in and hitting. Uh, she she went and got a 335 squat. So um, that was huge. Adam came in and got uh, not only his first 500 deadlift but hit for a triple. Um Just there were a lot of amazing stuff, you know. Ann came in and hit big PR on her bench. Kay came back and, you know, really, really showed some heart and came back and got her trip on the squat. And, uh, gosh, everybody just pulled some good lifts out today. And I just wanted to give a shout out to all of them. Um, really looking forward to the meet coming up. Now, when is that meet coming up? It's about five weeks away, April 12th and 13th. Was this the last time they were going to hit numbers that high? Problem. Yeah, and from now on, we'll be the heaviest. We'll be working is off their triples for singles, mm-hmm. so and it's just it's just killing weights. And this was kind of a uh, finding out our openers type of day, and so right. stuff
0: like it was that. a hell of an environment. I mean, there was too many people <laughs> here, probably. I wasn't oh, yeah, just bleachers, we all... but that's got to be you know, <clears throat> listeners. You know what it's like when, when you've got a, a handful of people watching you. You know what I mean? That's a huge motivator in it.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, that's about our usual crowd. Yeah, um, Because we were missing, hell, we we're missing Casey and Amanda and, you know, I was missing four or five lifters that couldn't, that had to come early because they were going out of town and then a couple of my lifters that come down from Manhattan a lot. We're normally pretty crowded in there and, uh, but we don't, we're used to it and it's just a good environment to, to keep us rolling. Yeah. So, I felt like we could have used some bleachers, you know, so yeah. we could have... I mean. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, we're ready to get to that time of year where we can open up the doors, too, and spill out in the driveway and get some sun shining in there and stuff like that. We got hit by this rain and everything, so... Um, yeah, good time, though. So. Yeah, that's not
2: Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the Protein and Resistance exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99, so individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on eBook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book, as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing Protein's history in strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter two on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks.
0: So I think something else we should talk about is uh our conversation last night. I mean, when, when everybody flew in and everything, we were talking about, um, oh, lots of things for about two hours. And I think talking shop is one of the best things about, you know, getting together, a group of people like this. But um, one of them was, what should I be doing? In other words, like, yeah. identifying your strengths or clarifying your wants, you know, I mean, we were just talking just a second ago that most people's parents don't hand them powerlifting, you know, or yeah. bodybuilding. Usually it might be baseball or football or basketball, kind of the big three American sports. And you know, this is not necessarily common stuff. And you know, this reminds me of a Thomas Jefferson quote. He said, do you want, do you want to know who you are? Don't think, act. Your mm-hmm. actions will delineate and define you. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here, right? No, I, I
3: agree. And it's, it's one of the big questions I get asked or I, I mean, I guess even one of the big questions I ask my clients when they first come in here is what you want to do. And how I deal with that usually is, you know, most of them don't really know. And it's, you know, we, we get into that by, okay, well, we're going to try everything and I'm going to teach you everything at least a basic level. And then at one point they're going to know, they're going to say, you know, I really like this aspect.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And
3: I am—I've always said this—is I'm a believer in, you know, the job of me, the job of a coach is to make people what they want to be, not what I want them to be. And but the hard part is for those people figuring out what they want. And you know, the, I think the hardest part for people is they hear a lot of what they should be doing, and you know, what I try to people push people towards is that it's okay to do what do you enjoy, you know? And I fought that for a long time. You know, I I, I ran and I lived it. You know, really low body fat percentage and finally I, I just said, you know, I really like the strong stuff, and I like eating cookies, so <laughs> I'm going to eat cookies and pick up lots of heavy things. Um, right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so and that's a it's a very mature level to hit, but it's okay to you know, it's okay to be the a super heavyweight guy that's really strong, or it's okay to be a middle lifter that's to get as strong as you can there. Find out what you want to do. Right. We are so. talking
0: about that too. I think the general public, I, I think there's some trepidation that, oh, I can't be a power lifter. I don't weigh 280 pounds. You know, oh, I can't yeah. be a bodybuilder. I don't look like a mountain gorilla. You know, it's like, well, there's weight classes, you know. Exactly.
3: And I mean, that's one thing you get to see when you come in here. I mean, I have people from, you know, I guess I'm about the heaviest at 285 and down to, you know, some of my girls and Justin that are really like, that, that was a purposeful stab at Justin, but uh, <laughs> I hope you caught that. <clears throat>
0: so, yeah, and I'll tell you, I, well, something I noticed too is, I mean, sometimes it's just exposure—it's simple exposure and awareness, you know. Because yeah. I think some of the ladies that I saw lifting today, very strong, you know, start, sort of enjoying a little bit of aggression. And I don't think there's a lot of environments where that's okay, you know. They're not told yeah. that that's okay, and yeah. all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, that was sort of empowering." I was—we and I were talking. It's like, you know, that's like a, that's a little intoxicating. You know, yeah. oh, my God, that was that was very powerful what I just did. yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not sure they're always given the same uh, opportunity to experience that probably, yeah. you know. So, okay, so uh, let's go ahead and do this. I'm going to go ahead and hand the mic around again a little bit, just everybody sitting here in the gym. And um, I guess the questions are, you know, how did you decide what you like, right? I mean, how are you hooked? I mean, surely there was some kind of reward or something that led to that. So... Uh, let's just go ahead and hand this round. Hi, this is Jude. Um, how I got hooked originally
6: actually was through my my father. He he was always fairly fit. For you know, he always seemed to be older than uh, most of my friends' dads because he was a little bit older. But he was always training. Uh, he would you know work out three or four days a week. And always knew he was coming home from the gym because he had his bag and he has a handlebar mustache and he always came out of the shower because you know, the mustache was flared. And it was always you know a big deal like dad's fit. I want to yeah. release at least as good as him. So, you know, like a lot of folks, I don't know what it's like to really ever be out of shape. I've always been fit. I've always been nimble, fairly athletic. I was never a great athlete, but pretty athletic. And, um, you know, that's what led me to continue to train. And then, you know, some years later it's when I was exposed to the kettlebell work. And that really suited me. I'm good at it. And I, I'm good at teaching it. Um and you know when you're good at something, you want to do a lot of it, yeah. um, although to a fault, I then at that point abandoned a lot of barbell work, and it cost me um, cost me in in absolute strength and um and proficiency in those moves and that's just not something you can do so these
3: past really eight or nine months i've really been focusing a lot on the barbell work but the, but you know this is a really good point, and there's a there's a nice video going around on the internet lately of a guy talking about this. And it's this that, you know, a lot of people live in their lives for what society says they should. Instead of, you know, you latched on and you found something you really enjoyed. And through that, you, you know, you weren't living your life for the money.
6: Correct. Correct.
3: You you went after your passion and through that you then become a master of your passion. And then you can take that on to a living. Um, ugh, that's a tough one, but I mean, I think more people should do it um not saying everybody should join the fitness industry and I'm not saying everybody should is passionate about it but it's it's there's a lot of people out there even in fitness and life in general that that ignore what they really like and I think we need to get back to a day that it's okay if you're a runner that's not me but if you're a runner that's fine if you really love that roll with it yeah. yeah, you know, Phil, all- when
0: you become an intermediate in something, and you don't have to necessarily even before you get to the point where you're you have the expertise to teach or coach for pay, even as an intermediate, I think one of the best ways to learn something is to try to convey it and teach it to teammates. You know, yeah. and I saw a lot of that going on. It's it's emotional encouragement, sure. Yes, but it's also. You know what I mean? Because you tend to anchor things in your own mind. You're like, oh, you know, I, I you tucked your hips under a little bit there or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. And I think just being able to try to teach a teammate something, I took a fairly complex concept and I just made that digestible to somebody, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that can be part of the fun, too. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep this going around.
7: This is Justin. Uh, I first got into barbell training after working as a personal trainer for a few years and, I wasn't getting the the kind of results that I wanted for my clients, and I knew that there had to be something missing. So I started researching more and more and finally started reading a few articles about barbell training and the the weight loss results that a lot of trainers were getting. So the more I started using that with clients, uh, of course, the more that I wanted to learn about barbell training, I had to start going to sites like uh, Lead FTS, Started reading articles by people like Jim Windler, Jim Steele, Johnny Payne, um, and the the more I became interested in strength itself, powerlifting. Of um, course, got 531 started that, and then it became kind of a personal goal because everyone, being a smaller frame guy, everyone kept telling me that I was way too small to be a powerlifter. So then it became my personal mission to kind of set out and be like, hey. Ah, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Um and it and after that it just became more and more and more of a passion to where now it's just it, i I can't honestly think of living life any
0: other way than barbell training and strength training. You know what? I I, I gotta echo something there is everybody listeners know that I always sort of go back and forth with Rob. He's like, Oh
2: you apologize, you're small framed.
0: I like being small framed, you know what I mean? And that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> who says every power lifter has to look like even like a Dave Tate or a Jim Wendler, you know, yes. or weigh 280, like Phil, I don't think that's how you have to be. I mean, you could be your own collection of things, you know what I mean? So, and it's empowering to every one of those. I mean, some of the the, the girls that were lifting this afternoon, I don't think they all want to weigh 280, but if they do, that's okay too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's something like for everybody with this kind of stuff.
1: Uh, this is Byron again. Um I got started with weightlifting because I signed up for football and when weightlifting became really, really valuable to me was actually after I after I was done with football. I weighed almost three hundred pounds, and I just, you know, I couldn't really handle life like that. I was very, very unhappy with the way I looked, and um, over the course of about three years of of studying nutrition, actually read a lot of articles on on T Nation from Lonnie and uh, Doctor Berardi. I got very absorbed in the culture and really, really taken up with bodybuilding. So I lost. Tons of weight and got down to, you know, six or seven percent body fat. But the, the difficulty in that was that I was throughout the process, I was really pushing myself to fit this mold of, of like an idolized figure that a lot of people said I should want. And I never really stopped and asked myself, what Whoa. do I want? It was always, what does everybody else see as the right fitness, mm-hmm. um, goal? And I just kind of adapted that. And I was training for a long time, not not understanding that if I didn't look inside and see what I really wanted to get out of my training, it wouldn't really satisfy me. So coming here has been has been great because I've seen I've heard a lot about powerlifting and I've experienced a little bit of it myself, but I've never been in a community and seen so much support yeah. and so much uh just enthusiasm for the whole for the whole Process of of dedicating a lot of time and energy to lifting and and moving something that's really heavy.
3: The never-ending fight against gravity.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh the food has been has been wonderful. I recommend <laughs> Phil's diet is just great.
3: Yeah, that's. I'm gonna sell it. Thirty days to uh, a bigger you.
5: Oh, this is Jacob again. Um, I, I got into weightlifting. I, I turned 30. I was just fat and lazy. So I dumped a bunch of weight, but then I was just skinny fat. Uh, you know, I was scrawny, but I still had a gut. Uh, didn't like that. So I started off where a lot of people do just on men's health, looking at their message boards. Uh, and Ripito's name kept coming up. So I started off at starting strength, bought all his books, read his, you know, every single one of his books, uh, cover to cover. And, uh, that helped me out a lot. Uh, I trained a lot at home, uh, by myself but uh it's just it's just you against the weights um you know i nothing better than hitting a, a new pr um and there's always new prs to hit so it's just a never ending never ending game so you know now my my goals now are just you know i'm trying to hit 500 400 300 200 with deadlift squat bench and then overhead press uh getting close i'm hoping to be there within a year or two um but you know just enjoying the ride yeah.
4: Well, this is Mike again. Um, out of everyone I've met here, <laughs> I'm probably the least experienced with lifting at age 37. Um, I grew up in an environment uh, where fitness wasn't really a priority. I would say like competitive sport was actively discouraged. Um, well, at the same time, my father was as strong as an ox, so I had this ideal to kind of look up to, <laughs> but no realistic or meaningful way to attain it. Um and so when I finally started to try to get fit, the first thing I did was just start jogging. I think, you know, it's one of those things that's just accessible to absolutely everyone. So I didn't really need to know what I was doing. It's kind of self correcting. Um and I was in my twenties by the time I started that. I, I didn't pick up uh weight in any kind of meaningful way until about two and a half years ago. And that was through a CrossFit gym. Um and I'm lucky enough to be a member of, of one of the gyms um that fall under that banner that where strength training is actually prioritized and and done uh, pretty consistently but uh it was kind of a gateway drug for me um you know the 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 big lifts lifting heavy things um has tremendous appeal and uh so i'm just kind of trying to ride that out i started the beginning of this year on a strict five three one and and I'm uh, and just, you know, I guess if I have a long-term goal, it's to uh, develop crazy ape strength. That would, <laughs> that would be, <laughs> that would be how I would put it. And uh, you know, if uh, as long as I'm making some kind of consistent gains, I I I'll be happy with that. So, um, yeah, just picking up heavy stuff and moving it is great, great fun. Yeah, so I
0: I think listeners get the idea that, you know, being in a powerlifting facility like this, there's that sense of community and, like we said, enthusiasm and everything like that. Hopefully, Iron Radio can do a little bit of that, too. I mean, one of the best comments I get is somebody saying, I don't have any training buddies. Yeah. You know, I listen to you guys. You are my training buddies and that kind of thing. You know, and, I mean, that's what keeps us going with this kind of stuff, except for the – uh uh the uh hundred thousand dollar salary that phil gets from doing the podcast
3: oh yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. you know
0: but he spends that in oreo cookies
3: (laughs) anyway so it's no no, no real gain i think a big one we hit on in here and a lot is you know that the people miss it is an admirable goal to just want to be a stronger you that's okay you know and not everybody is meant to be or should be a marathon runner, a power lifter, an Olympic lifter, whatnot. It's okay to have the goal, hey, I just want to be stronger than I am now.
0: Right, and I'll tell you, I got to add to that too, or even just beefier. You know, yeah. I was always a really thin kid. And I, yeah. not, it was never one of those sand kicked in my face kind of thing. That wasn't it at all. I just, I don't know, I, I started looking at magazines, similar to like with the internet, you know, but with magazines, you know, in the 80s. I'm like, uh, that's kind of amazing. It almost looks super heroic to me, you know? And I just got fascinated with that. Now, you study the biology of it and you realize that you can, you can change muscles, <clears throat> bones, connective tissue. You know? yeah. I mean, and strength and muscle mass are empowering things.
3: Well, and, you know, Justin hit on this good last night in, in some of the shop talk we were doing. And it was the fact that the fitness industry has lost what it originally started about. It's all become how you look and everybody's forgotten that it it has more to do with how you feel, and how you react with the world around you. You know, it's it's really okay to make, to to have the goal of I'm going to make life easier, um, and, and use fitness for that. Um, yeah I think it uh, it it depends on you know the
0: series of rewards that somebody gets as they start into this you know do they have support systems or if yeah. it's not support systems, do they respond really well? i mean let's face it, everybody physically you're gonna respond in certain ways like you know my bench press didn't exactly take off and shoot over three fifteen in the first couple yeah. of years that I tried it i'm st I still can't do that regularly, you know what I mean yeah um, but I was able to change my physique in such a way I'm like you know. I, I have little joints. I kind of look like some of these guys, a miniature version of some of these. And you know, and that was kind of fun. It was something that I actually got fairly good at, you know. And then when I did compete, of course, I, I got a nice boost with that because, you know, oh, judges yeah. are saying, hey, I, yes, Lonnie, actually you, you do, you know. Yeah. Um, but from a strength perspective, that's always going to be a little bit of a struggle for me. I'm just yes. not going to be d- pulling e- probably even 500 off the floor, you know. I yeah. don't know. Phil, maybe you can show me this afternoon, <laughs> 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 but. You know, like we were talking about body shape and how it affects different lifts and that sort of thing. Or prior injuries. There's all these different kinds of things, you know. But, yeah. But, um, no, and
3: I mean, I think that feeds right in. There's a reason why I I try and get every one of my people to co- commit to and compete in something at least once. And it's usually in the strength sports. Mm-hmm. One of them. Um, be it highland games, be it powerlifting, Olympic lifting. And... Under the context of we're just trying to go in and do better than you. And if you really take that mindset, and I can tell you this as fact, most of the people out there, most of the best lifters out there, if not all of them, that is their goal. Their sole goal really is, you know, they've, they've been in it for years and all those years they've been trying to consistently do better than they did the last time. Right, yeah. And it's through that that you end up beating other people. You know, if you have your mind on, on, a, on a greater prize, like, you know, my my whole goal is to be the world record holder. Um, usually that's too big to grasp, and you 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 end up quitting because you think you're never going to well, get it.
0: Well, hence that. the comment about, like, the weight classes, for example. Yeah. Imagine my law. I've been super enthused my whole life. Even when I teach classes, well, the science was enthusing to me, too. But if I thought I had to be Mr. Olympia, this would have washed out a long time ago. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I I learned in the first just a couple of years, probably took me a couple of years, but, oh, those guys are on a lot of stuff and they've made choices maybe I don't want to make. You know what I mean? So I've obviously got a little bit bit bigger than I used to be. You know what I mean? So it's that sort of realism, like we're almost like weight class. I'm not saying settle, not at all. No, and it's
3: also that. You need to sit down and, you know, there is a lack of people sitting down and nowadays and truly knowing who they are and what they want. Um, Everybody... You gotta turn that microscope on yourself and become a little selfish and that's okay. And, and really understand yourself and what you want. And then you also have to ask what you're willing to give. You know, and then once you've answered those questions, you can set a real goal. You know, if you want to be Mr. Olympia, there are things that you're gonna to have to accept right. and, yeah. and boundaries that you're gonna to have to cross and you need to accept those for yourself before you before you really take on that goal. Right, otherwise pick a different goal. Yeah, otherwise pick one you are willing to accept
0: and go for that. Um, First of all, I think a lot of the strength sports, pure strength sports, they're a little more accessible because it's not a six-month commitment of denial and other things. You know what I mean? And then the personal commitment of getting in front of hundreds of people in your underwear. You know what I mean? I mean, so that's very involved, and I, I don't think there's quite the duration and maybe sense of risk don't get me wrong there i'm sure nobody wants to fail in front of other people even with a lift but that's not the same thing necessarily you know it's kind of a different kind of thing and so they are more accessible but i think like uh, we were talking earlier if you want to go up even, even if it's just half a notch and that's why we encourage people to compete you know put yourself under that microscope the reason i compete is not so much to just feel good about myself to me it's um there's no courage without a certain level of fear. And when I get on stage yeah. with a bunch of people who I know, half these guys are using all kinds of stuff, and here's little Dr. Lauer, you know, I'm going after him. This is a c- courage test, and that's why yeah. I do that. That's one of the main yeah. reasons I do it. It's probably more philosophical than it is physical. Um, but I think the same thing with strength. You know, it is empowering, and you're like, you know, I, I put myself in a scary situation, and I overcame it. And I yes. think that's that hooks people more than just the number on the bar or the percentage of body fat.
3: No, and I honestly think that's a healthy place to put yourself and I try and tell my people that. Um, I've heard it time and time again, Well I'm a little scared. And I think that's good. Yes, it is. You no, know, if you, if your goals if you, if your goals don't frighten you a little bit. You need to pick a new goal. Yeah, <laughs> you know? comfortable. Because you're not you're too comfortable in what you're trying to do. So you're way too laxadaisical. If you're if you know your goal isn't gonna take you at least a little ways out of your comfort zone you're just you're not pushing well
0: yourself. that's what we were saying earlier today if it's not a bit of a rite of passage in some yeah. way
3: then you don't get to evolve and you're just you know we talked about you, who wants to champion in mediocrity yeah <laughs> you know I mean it's not and it's 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 just i don't know where that came from and how that became popular but I, I don't understand it um and it's also it's it's very mature to realize that Not everybody was born to be the world's strongest man. But getting as far as you can and pushing yourself outside of your bounds, is it's okay. And it's okay to come, you know, if you devoted 10 years to powerlifting and the best you ever did was a 675 deadlift after 10 years and you weighed 300 pounds, who cares, you know, you pushed yourself, your personal self to the limit. Well, I think everybody sitting around here, too, is
0: there's something that they're best at. You know what I mean? I can't pick up a kettlebell and do something meaningful with that. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, a lot of the guys sitting here are stronger than I am. I'm okay with that. I'm a certain collection of things. You know what I mean? And everybody's got their, their strengths,
3: you know? No, and I mean, yeah, exactly. I I mean, there's going to be a point, you know, I just said moments ago that, you know, you need to come in and, and concentrate on beating yourself. And, you know, I can't lie. You know, I walk into a meet now and where I'm at. And I expect, it's like the C.T. Fletcher says, I walk in there and it's like, okay, you know, I come in with the mindset he talks about. And it's okay, the, the baddest son of a bitch just showed up. Which one of you guys is taking second? But, the, you know, I have to come in with that mindset now. But the goals I have and the PRs I'm going to hit demand me to have that mindset.
0: Well, yeah, up. you've had goals. You've had progressive uh-huh. goals between then and now where, where yes. you've got no left, nowhere else left to go, brother.
3: I have nowhere else to go but there. and And it's... You know, through that, I've reached that point, and now it's, yeah, it scares the hell out of me, but I'm still happy walking in and I walk away. My last meet, it was a very last physical meet for me. I just came in with my goals. I was coming off an injury, and I walked away happy. You know, I hit a 6 3 7. And it was like, that's all I'm doing. And people are like, why aren't you taking your thirds?
0: That's funny, because usually, like, the last two times that I competed, and I don't compete a lot, you compete a lot more than I do, uh, different sports, I know, but, um, is, my, the, the first time recently, it was, gosh, it was several years ago now, but I just wanted to be a finalist. I, yeah. there was like 25 guys in my class. It was the Mr. Midwest USA. I just wanted to be in the finalist because I thought, I am hormonally challenged compared to these guys. Can I take all my education and pit that against that and get anywhere? And you know, and I was ecstatic. I stayed up all night staring at a fifth place trophy. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah.
7: Because that
3: was yeah.
0: my goal. I met my goal. And the most yeah. recent time I competed, I got some runner-ups and some thirds in the same kind of regional yep. things. Really happy about that.
3: You know hell think? yeah.
0: So, and again, I don't want to sound like I settled or, you know, that... Second place is good or third place. But you know what? I mean, that was my goal. That's what I wanted to be able to do. Because let's face it, when you enter, and again, I don't know how different powerlifting is necessarily, but in bodybuilding, you don't know who's going to show up. Somebody could show up on all kinds of stuff and be like the next Mr. Olympia. And again, he made choices I didn't make. And you might be well, why why do you compete in open events? Well, because that's my challenge. That's my challenge. And I stay at the regional level. I'm not delusional. I I mean, I'm not that big of a person, you know what I (laughs) mean? But um, I I know how to put it together in a systematic way and do something, uh, you know, at at what I consider somewhat of a disadvantage. Yeah. You know, Okay. Well, everybody, we've been going for uh, 45 to 50 minutes here. We're probably going to have a slightly shorter episode because we need the remainder of the day. Phil's going to go show us some uh, bench press and
3: deadlift techniques. And then Lonnie's going to, you know, just... You just bore us to death with your stunts. <laughs> I'm going to bore you to death right before you go to sleep, people. He'll get us all jacked up on caffeine at 1230 at night. That's right. So, I'll, that's how, Just like with the bees,
0: that's how I trick you into remem- remembering what I'm going to show yeah.
3: them. <laughs> So. All
0: right. All right. Well, uh, until next week, everybody. Uh,
3: thanks a lot.
0: sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, ironradio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or